Hey guys, and welcome to my new, like I said, hopefully beneficial podcast, Piecing the Puzzle, where you follow along the journey of starting my business, and I talk to successful entrepreneurs for vital information and tips that I'll need to know along the way, and I share that information with you. Today, my guest is Dave Arland. He is the president of Arland Communications in Carmel, Indiana. Um, I've actually known him for a few years. He's a family friend, but he's a very successful human being, and he loves Star Trek and um, very wise. So today we talk about insurance, how to find a lawyer when starting your company. Uh, What else do we talk about? How to deal with finances and much more. But first, here's Dave. Hi, my name is Dave Arland, and I am the president of Arland Communications. That is a small boutique communications agency in Carmel, Indiana. And uh, we do a v- variety of things. Started off as sort of a straight PR agency, but we've grown a lot over the years. And, well, we're pretty well known in the consumer technology space because I spent 16 years working for an Indianapolis area company that isn't around anymore. It was called Thompson Electronics, and uh, it morphed over the years. Uh, now it's called Technicolor. Recently just shuttered its office uh, in Carmel, which was a kind of a sad moment for those of us who worked there. At uh, one time when I went to work there, they had uh, almost 15,000 employees in Indiana. So to go from that to where we are today, which is a handful of people working out of their uh, basement, is kind of a sad thing. But, (laughs) you know, it's a reflection of of how things change. And after 16 years there, I started my own firm. I got laid off from Mm -hmm. that company, which was a a hard experience. One of the 14,000. Yes. (laughs) And... uh, and a number of the companies that I had worked with in the consumer technology space, not worked for, but worked with, mm-hmm. uh, have come to me over the years and said, hey, we know you, uh, we know the kind of work you do. And it's companies that are very familiar names like LG Electronics, Panasonic, uh, organizations like the Consumer Technology Association, which in itself is probably not as well known as the big event that it, they produce every year called the CES. Uh, CES is just sort of an... It was an acronym at one time. It stood for yeah. Consumer Electronics Show, but yeah. people just call it CES. But did you go to CES this year? I did go to CES this year, and it was awesome. Uh, it was the 27th straight year that I have gone to CES. God, I wanted to go so bad. Yeah, well, you should go. Was uh, Google's presence pretty crazy? Google spent a lot of money. Yeah, I saw their... Uh, big gumball and the train yeah they they took all the monorails uh, that run in vegas up and down the strip and they put their brand on it they built a multi-million dollar tent out in the parking lot of the convention center yeah it was a little crazy but you know i think that was a a reaction frankly to uh, what happened last year with amazon amazon had a number of partner announcements i'm going to move over on my table you're going to hear some noise in the background because i am getting out my google oh, mini home speaker I have that in my bedroom and see your eyes just lit up i love it so much you know what it is so google uh, really wanted to make sure that the technology industry was aware of what it wanted to do in home automation and with uh, google home uh, as they call it apple has just announced a, a speaker product yeah. of of their own apple apple home i think is yeah, what it's called right i think so which is supposed to be like um, Alexa speaker, but uh, With be- better Siri. sound. Yeah. 
much better sound. I just noticed when I said her name across my office, she lit up. So wait, what do you have in your office? I have a an, uh, a dot over oh, there. Okay. So I I asked Alexa what she thought of Google Home, mm -hmm. and she didn't really respond. But I asked Google Home what she or it thought of. Uh, Alexa. Alexa and Google Home said that Alexa has a pleasant voice. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. that's a long way of answering your question. You know, I work for a number of brand names that people will recognize, mm -hmm. but also for some organizations you probably wouldn't recognize, but are in the uh, broadcasting space. Yeah. So a variety of different uh, different companies. So do you use your Google Home, or are you just pure Team Alexa, or? Uh, you know, I've been an Alexa person for hmm, about a year and a half. Shame. Yeah. But I got a, I was actually on Google's campus a couple yeah. of weeks ago, and so they have a store, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah, yeah, they yeah. want you to, yeah. to buy stuff. So uh, I bought a Mini, which wasn't that expensive. It was half the price of uh, Alexa's stuff at yeah. the time, although Alexa is now cheaper too. And um, honestly, I don't know, Jacob, what you use these things for exactly. I mean, we use them at home to uh, weather. Yeah, I use the weather. Time sometimes uh, to set alarms. Uh, although it's funny, this morning I set an alarm on my phone. I didn't even think to tell uh, Alexa on my desktop yeah. that she should remind me when it's a certain time. There she goes yeah. <laughs> right now. Um, but I think that in the future you're going to see a lot more voice integration uh, you yeah. know, Google didn't spend the kind of money they spent at CES for fun. They did it because mm -hmm. they want to be omnipresent <clears throat> in a lot of different uh, things. Yeah, I know they've just integrated into TVs, um, cars. Um, I'm, 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 I think they're done making smart speakers because they're just going to integrate. They've already started integrating Google Assistant into other speakers. So, I mean, there's no point of them to make a home series anymore if other ones are doing it. Same with Alexa. Yeah, but I have one in my bedroom, and then... Pretty much all I use it for is, well, one, weather, and then two, when I'm in bed, I say, like, set an alarm, and then I also say, like, hey, play sleep music for 45 minutes, and then by the time I'm asleep, listening to sleep music, it shuts off, so that's the best feature I see of it. It's a great feature. Just play music till you're asleep. Um, other than that, I don't have smart lights. My dad has smart lights. I don't have smart lights, um, and if you have an Android, you already have Google Assistant built in, so it's, like... I can say, hey, Google, anywhere in my apartment, and it will turn on my phone, too. Does it creep you out? No. I don't, I'm don't. i not one of those people that gets creeped out. I mean, I. it's no different, because if it's on my phone, they could be listening to me on my phone the whole time, too. My, I mean, my phone's doing the exact same thing. So I'm not one of those people that gets creeped out. And if they're listening, like, okay, it doesn't, I just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't bother me. I asked the question, <laughs> because yesterday I spoke to the north side uh or the East Side Indianapolis Sertoma Club, which meets on the North Side, mm -hmm. ironically. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, it's largely retired people, yeah. uh, and a few younger. Uh, by oh. younger, I mean like my age people. Yeah. And a guy asked me a question, like same question: Am mm -hmm. I creeped out, or should he worry? Should he, if I, because I brought my little Google Home Mini with me, yeah. uh, to show it off, and and he said, should I worry that it listens all the time? And I said, you know, honestly. The phone's already listening all the time. Yeah. Supposedly, at least with the Amazon line, um, those smart speakers are only listening eight seconds at a time, and then they go back and re-record the eight. You know, they're, they're eight-second windows. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's going to be the case always, but um, we have a lot of. I, I think the next big issues 
in uh, this space, not only voice control, but also the computers is privacy. People have no idea how much material is already gathered, you know, how much marketers already know about what you do. I mean, I've seen, this is kind of on subject. I mean, most of our credit cards are already on the black market and stuff like that. It's just a matter of if it gets randomly selected by, because I mean, most of our numbers are already on the black market and then it's pretty much just random numbers are sold to people. So if you're unlucky, your number gets sold. If you're not unlucky, but regardless, it's still out there. Like you can't control it. Well, as a you know a small business owner, I can tell you that uh, I'm just one tiny little yeah. cog, you know, in the world. Yeah. But uh, a couple of years ago, I had my credit and debit cards, business cards, stolen four times in one year. Yeah. And at least one of them was the result of a, a hotel staff that had a business on the side selling people's numbers and uh, yeah i know it's crazy and the only reason i know that is because they were caught and the police had a notebook and in the notebook were people's names and credit card so the police called me from denver and said hey by the way you might want to cancel that card because it's you know we've got the number right here that's insane it is insane uh and there's got to be a better mousetrap for for that whole thing i mean when you get a new card, you got a call, and this, that, and the other. the whole verification thing and personal data stuff is um, it's a big issue. This honestly makes me wonder if I've ever stayed at a hotel who sold my numbers before. Um, you know, one of those sketchy motels in the middle of nowhere. I don't know. Who does? Anyways, if you didn't pick it up in there, I'm a huge Google fan. Uh, hashtag Team Google, hashtag Google Gang. Uh, I'm pretty deeply embedded into Google ecosystem. I have a Google Pixel, a Google Home Mini, uh, Google Chromecast, Gmail, Docs, Drive, like everything Google. I've never even had an iPhone. Team Android since day one. Um, hashtag Team Android. The first phone I had was pretty much an Android phone. Well, it wasn't pretty much an Android phone. It was pretty much the first Android phone there was. I remember once I got it, all my friends were getting the first iPhone at the same time, so right away it was a battle to see whose phone was better. What a good time. Anyways, to make this correlate somehow, even though Dave is Team Amazon, I'm Team Google, um, he and Google have something in common. Uh, They both went through the process of starting their company. I obviously plan on doing the same, but currently I'm doing it alone. But the more I research and talk to people, The more apparent it becomes that having a partner is beneficial, especially to investors who don't want to risk spending thousands of dollars on one person. I'd really rather do it without a partner though, so I don't have to deal with all the drama and the revenue split and yada yada, but I think I might have to get one sometime regardless. Anyways, because of my situation, I wanted to know if Dave did it alone too. Well, I I am like the reluctant entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't take enough business classes in college probably to to warrant doing what I'm doing today yeah, uh, and I two. I look back and I think you know gosh I should have like stayed with accounting instead yeah. of dropped it dropping it but um, I had a couple of friends who really encouraged me because mm-hmm. I was in a situation where uh, every day the company would lay off more people they'd lay off more people I had to lay off everybody who worked for me yeah so you know I've described it as kind of like being on an airplane and the engines fall off and you're like yeah <laughs> this is not gonna end well yeah so uh, I knew that was coming and I had a little bit of uh, advance notice that it was likely and so one friend of mine she said hey um, 
you should start your own company or maybe go into business with me or, you know, I mean, don't be afraid of that. Yeah. And another dear friend here in the Indianapolis area said, come on in. The water's fine. You know, it, it'll be okay. What's the worst that could happen? So, um, a lot, <laughs> a lot <laughs> maybe, but um, I launched off into my own right as the depression of uh, 2008 kicked mm-hmm. in. Great timing. Yeah, the great, uh, great awakening in the financial markets, that, or great sleep, sleeplessness anyway. Yeah, so the timing wasn't the best, but it wasn't my timing. It was just fate. And uh, fortunately, I had uh, several people who kind of threw me a life raft and said, mm-hmm. I'll hire you to do this. I'll, I'll hire you to do that. And in my case, I was on my own for the first four years uh, working from my house. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I got enough business that I needed to hire somebody else. Yeah. So So it's pretty much solely you for four years. Solely me for four years, yes. Uh, would you like contract people out? Yeah. Like, yeah okay. I would have uh, some contractors who would come work for me on certain projects, particularly relating to video production. And video production is a huge piece of our activity today. Now I've got two full-time people doing just that and... When we went to the CES show this year, um, it was kind of a proud moment, to be honest with you, because I was uh, writing paychecks for 31 people. Wow. So that was a big deal. <laughs> and I you know, couldn't help but think back to my first CES by myself uh, in my own company 10 years ago, or even 27 years ago, my first CES period. Uh, the very first year that I went to CES, the big innovation was the mini disc player. Wow! So that's you can, you can find those on eBay now. I think for like a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty-seven years ago, what year was that? Ninety-one. Ninety-two. Ninety-two. Uh, I, I joined the company, uh, the previous employer, in ninety-one, late ninety-one, and ninety-two was, was the first time I'd been to Vegas. Mm-hmm. They still used quarters, you know, and nickels and <laughs> yeah. pennies and slot machines. Yeah. It wasn't just digital uh, currency, so to speak. Yeah. It was a much different time. <laughs> and that show was a big show then, but mm. now it's the largest meeting event in the world. Really? So, yeah, over 180,000 people converging on Vegas, which sounds like a lot of people, especially when you realize that Vegas only has 150,000 hotel rooms. If somehow you've never heard of it, CES is this huge, amazing event where the latest upcoming technology is revealed. It's pretty much just a place to see the future of how the world will work. And a lot of the companies there are startups, only a couple years old. It's definitely an event you will remember the rest of your life. This made me wonder what Dave remembers from starting his company. Well, for all of my life and my work life, I had always worked for somebody else, obviously, and gone somewhere uh, to go to work, whether it was in radio initially or... Uh, I was in politics for a while working for the city of Indianapolis and Mayor Bill Hudnut, and then on for 16 years at Thompson Electronics and the companies that uh, Thompson became. Uh, So yeah, at first it was scary. It was exciting to be setting up your own thing, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you get to decide, well, what's your title going to be, you know. So I decided president, sounded good. It could have been CEO or whatever. Um, but I had some good advice from friends who said, okay, you need an accountant. I already had that. You need a post office box. You need an attorney to get you set up. You need to decide what kind of corporation you're going to be. Yeah. And uh, I chose S Corporation 
uh, in Indiana. Oh, so you are a corporation? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, then the name of the company, and then you get all that stuff done, then like, okay, you're going to have a brand, or you're going to have, you know, a website. Yeah. And uh, a friend and I built my first website. It didn't change for four years. <laughs> uh, and I got all these compliments about what a terrific website. I mean, it was literally like a two-page website. Yeah. But to me, that said, a, a website's like a billboard. You know, if the billboard is striking and makes a point, uh, people are going to remember it. Mm-hmm. So the beginning was just setting up uh, the various pieces and parts and deciding what we wanted to, uh, what I wanted to call the company. Uh, it was just me. There were, there were no other partners. Um, and then you sort of eat what you kill, you know, trying to d- find clients, find yeah. people who will trust you. And then uh, and move ahead. And sure, there were a lot of nights when I was up late and or couldn't sleep. Uh, I'll admit that it's kind of nice to work from your home office and stay in your PJs all day if you yeah. wish to. You know, there were a couple of days like that for me. Not anymore. Yeah. Um, but as significant, honestly, as that was moving into my own office, and then I still, uh, I'll tell you a little story about my best day. Okay. So far. And that was the day I came to work in, in uh, the office here in Carmel, and I had one guy who worked for me, and his name is Lucas, and um, he's moved on to two other jobs since working for me. And he anyway, he pulled up in a new car, mm-hmm. and it made me cry. Because, like, it was because of you? Yeah, because yeah. we made this happen beca- together. You know, we made it possible for him to have a job and yeah. for him to do well. It, it actually was a used car, but it was new to him. <laughs> yeah. And, it, you know, it wasn't the dented-up thing that it had replaced. Um, that was a unexpected, yeah. uh, like, wow. Um, and I've had other wow moments since then, but that, that one just uh, really stuck out in my head. Man. So, you say you're an S corporation. Was LLC not around back then, or would you have done LLC now if you could have done that? Um, it really just kind of depends on your uh, personal situation, and yeah. uh, there are different tax implications for yeah. different kinds of uh, corporations. Exactly. I mostly chose it because of the tax consequences okay. and the way that uh, taxes are paid yeah. and what flows through to the owner versus. Uh, um, what is salaried and you know do you have to social security and all that i mean there's there's all these icebergs that one has to traverse as you try to figure out what to become um and based on the advice that i got good advice from my accountant and from my uh lawyer um we chose s corp um getting started was not expensive or hard. Yeah. That was the easy part. The hard part is, okay, now you're in business. Now you have a website. Now you have some business cards. Now it's time to actually time do, to something. do something. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you say you have an accountant and you have a lawyer. Was your accountant like your friend or did you go find an accountant? And what's the process of like finding a lawyer? Because I've been trying to figure out... Um, I mean, I don't have money, obviously. I'm a college student. Oh, How but a, you will. Don't worry. Yeah. So like I have to find a lawyer and I have to find... It's all this legal stuff, and I don't really know too much about. I mean, I know what I need and like who I would need, but I don't know like how do you find your lawyer and how do you find your accountant and stuff like that. Well, in my case, we already had an accountant, my wife and and I, um, that we trusted, mm-hmm. who was doing our own personal, yeah, personal. Uh, tax work. 
Uh, it just so happened that that accountant also does um, small business. They're, the focus of that agency is small businesses and individuals. Okay. So the accountant part was pretty easy because we wanted to kind of keep it all together. Um, for the lawyer thing, I asked a friend who um, had made a recommendation to me based on somebody that he had used. Mm -hmm. And I've, my attorney's in Lebanon, uh, which is just outside of Indianapolis. Um, and then, uh, you know, insurance is another question, yes. liability insurance. Uh, and that came through a recommendation of another friend, you know, who's good at this, who's good at that. Yeah. Um, so it honestly is just, as with anything uh, these days, networking, trying to find, uh, get the suggestions of people who have gone before you and trying to learn from their, either their mistakes or their advice. Um, and then eventually just putting a stake in the ground and saying, this is what we need to do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes also your, um, what you end up doing, I'll, I'll use an example of insurance, depends on the kind of work that you're doing. You know, our clients have a certain expectation. I'm required by contract to carry a certain amount of insurance. Yeah. For example, uh, to go to these large events and, and produce things for big clients, they have big requirements. So I may not like having to write big checks to insurance companies yeah. for premiums, but, you know, it's sort of like that's the price of entry. If you're yeah. going to play with the big dogs, you got to understand that that's, that's the cost. So, what types of insurance does Arlen Communications have? We have a couple different kinds of general liability insurance mm -hmm. um, for various uh, functions. Sometimes we'll do a larger event and uh, we've done, um, we've, we've staged press conferences as an example for a couple of different companies at CES and the, the hotels in that case will require a tremendous amount of liability insurance. I had a client once who wanted to park a truck inside a ballroom, uh, like a, a utility truck. And I was like, okay, uh, well, that's certainly doable, you yeah. know, the, but there's all these rules. Like you, yeah. you can only have a quarter tank of gas and you have to disconnect the, uh, the battery once you get the truck in and you have to have a permit from the fire marshal. I mean, there's, you know, there's a long list of things. Had another client who said, we're introducing a line of uh, products that are themed after a kangaroo. So we want to have live kangaroos at our event. <laughs> and believe it or not, as... As you might guess, in Las Vegas, you can find just about anything. Yeah. And I found a kangaroo farm oh, okay. <laughs> just, just outside Vegas. And uh, then it was a matter of convincing uh, the hotel that, hey, we we're going to have a couple of baby kangaroos. And it's, it's okay. <laughs> they're not like tigers. You know, they're not going to bite people. Yeah. But this particular hotel had a policy that they, they did not permit live animals. Okay. And yet I had a client who demanded a live animal. So I had to convince the hotel that I had enough insurance and I knew what I was doing. And we had, you know, they were coming from an agency that trained animals and, yeah. you know, nobody was going to be bit or scratched or hurt. Um, and eventually we worked it out. So <laughs> that was, uh, that was the way it was. <laughs> was a kangaroo farm like in the desert part of yeah. yeah, the desert? It was about maybe 20 minutes outside Vegas. That's so interesting. Uh, who'd have thunk it? Kangaroo farm. <laughs> yeah. And, okay. So is insurance, is that, 
how does that work? Like a lawyer, you just hire a lawyer. Is there like an insurance person or like a, you go to an agency, like state A broker. Farm, or, yeah. 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 You go to uh, an insurance. Well, t- typically, I, I don't think you would go necessarily directly to the, uh, like State Farm is a company. Yeah. Right. So they, they have agents who work for them. But then there are also more general brokers who or agents who uh, they represent a number of different companies. So you would go to them and say, okay, uh, I have a new contract, and this contract requires this much insurance. Mm. Uh, so can you shop around for me and tell me, you know, what the best options are for this? Okay. And that's how – and then, the, you know, the broker finds a particular um, uh, company like a state farm who uh, – all the state farm's policies are mostly for auto and for home – there are companies that specialize in, in insurance for companies. Yeah. So pretty much every time you get a contract, you just go to a broker and have them find insurance, whatever you need. Yeah. And, and typically, you, uh, you know, we've got a couple of big clients who have pretty heady requirements for mm-hmm. insurance. And usually, the amount is high enough. It's, it's not insurance just for that client. You need to prove to the client that your business is insured mm-hmm. with this umbrella of protection. It's just like a small business insurance type thing? Yeah. yeah. Well, they just want, they want you to have X million dollars worth of you know, insurance. Yeah. So if something were to happen and you were to get sued, yeah. you're going to be the first line of defense you know, before mm-hmm. they come against the client. So if you've got this big umbrella, then that's an umbrella that's available to any of your clients, not just the one who's asked for it. Um, and that's probably a good example of, as a small business person, something you don't even think about. There's even some clients who want internet insurance. They want you to be insured in case of hacked? getting hacked, which is like, well, how do you, you know? Yeah. As you can probably tell, I don't know too much about insurance. I know the basic premise of it, but I've never really looked into what I would need or how to get it. If it says anything, I just learned how life insurance worked three months ago. Thanks, education system. Since I didn't know which insurance I needed, I decided to ask Dave. Uh, I would say the basic one is general liability. So that uh, if you are... uh, if you cause harm to someone in your work, that you're in, you know, you're insured. Uh, a different type of liability insurance is called professional liability. So that's um, uh, important in some cases. So that uh, that might be for libel or for slander, mm-hmm. or you know, it's it's mm-hmm. a different type of function. It's not a I'm gonna run the risk of hitting somebody with a car, it's more like I'm going to imperil someone's business with my actions. Yeah. All right, back already. So two types of insurance I need to look into, general liability and professional liability. I really had no idea, so this was pretty helpful. Dave goes on to explain the different types of insurance you'll need depends on various factors and clients, and you can't always know what to expect. One of the many reasons for this podcast is to know what to expect going into the startup process. You know, what curveballs will come my way so I can be as ready as possible for them. This is a pretty important question, so I'll probably ask it in most podcasts. What is something you didn't expect to deal with when starting your business? Well, probably the thing that captures uh, and imperils a lot of businesses is just the finances. 
Mm-hmm. It sounds very simple. You know, I'm going to do work and I'm going to invoice for that work and yeah. then I'll be paid and then I'll do more work and do another invoice and be paid. Yeah. Which in the macro picture, that is how it works, but it's, it's the detail where people get messed up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's very easy to get upside down with, uh, you know, you charge a bunch of expenses on a project and then the project is successful and then you submit your invoice and you wait and you wait and you wait. (laughs) The bigger the company, the bigger the opportunity, but also the longer you wait. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've had clients uh, go six months without paying me and that's unusual, but it does happen. And so uh, there's sort of a constant struggle between what I'm spending to make this possible and like accounts receivable and receivable you know in fact this morning we had a meeting about receivables um, with my team just to make sure we're on top of things that have come in late or not come in uh, and and are late that whole area is one that I had zero visibility (laughs) on you know working for somebody else I just got a paycheck every two weeks and I guess it rolls back to that you know you're, if you're starting a business, you're probably not going to get a paycheck every two weeks. Mm-hmm. So you've got to do a better job of planning or anticipating. And it's taken me a decade to kind of get my arms around that. Um, I think we're in a reasonably good shape now. But that is what drags most small businesses and some big businesses under mm-hmm. is just dealing with that whole thing. I mean, do you have clauses in your contract that says a certain amount of time or no? Or I mean, do you have late fees or anything like that? Uh, depends on the client. Um, some of them, yes. We, you know, we have an agreement that says this is what we're going to do. And um, if you don't pay by a certain date, we start assessing late fees. Mm. It's been my experience, though. It's j- the opposite is, is more of reality. The client will say to you, well, our corporate policy is 60-day pay terms. Even though you want to be paid in 30 days, which is yeah. one would think that's kind of the norm. Again, the bigger the company, the more the uh, they stretch that stuff out. So we have some clients who are religious about paying in 30 days and a few that pay early. Hmm. But the lion's share are 60 or, ni- or 90 days or even longer. Hmm. Um, so you just got to understand that and... Uh, it's hard, I guess, a curveball to answer your question is just how much time those kinds of administrative things take. Yeah. Um, we were talking earlier about cybersecurity and credit cards. And, you know, I, me and my team, we comb through every expense mm-hmm. at the end of a month, every dime that's spent either on a debit card or credit cards or checks or whatever, uh, just to make sure that we have we are recouping things that uh, that we've spent on behalf of others but also to see if there are fraud issues and unfortunately several times in the last decade um, we've been hit with fraud sometimes as I mentioned earlier it's a hotel person who's stolen my numbers um, I came home from one trip to New York and uh, and the bank called me when I got off the plane and said are you in France <laughs> And I said, that's what I said. I laughed. I said, no, I'm in Indianapolis. They said, well, somebody just bought tickets to the French Alps in Paris with your number. Um, And I'm like, really? You know, and the same same credit card numbers have been used to purchase subway tickets in 
uh, Long Island while I was flying home, you know. And here that was a maid who had stolen my credit cards, st- stolen my credit card numbers yeah. in a hotel. You think a hotel is safe. Sounds like I have a, th- a recurring theme here. It's, it's, <laughs> hotels are an issue, hotels. but it's not just hotels. It's other things, yeah. too. So those are two examples of curveballs, just the amount of time it takes to do uh, reconciliation and, and tracking down invoices and getting paid, which I never had to worry about before working for somebody else, Yeah, and fraud, yeah. which is very real and has affected me in a small way. But uh, I can just imagine a very large company, you know, think about the number of people who must order stuff from Amazon yeah. using fake credit cards. It must be a ginormous number. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, with the fraud thing, are you protected by insurance or protected by the S corporation? Not really protected by either one. Oh, okay. So, we had a situation for a while. We ran a, a consumer website where we were selling uh, accessory products for one of my clients. And among the things we were selling were a little small TV sets, like portable TV sets because they didn't have any decent distribution and they wanted to sell through this product range. And so I agreed to add those to my website to sell. And they were like $100 a piece. Mm. And I had somebody order $5,000 worth of them. And the credit card on their end went through fine. Mm -hmm. You know, everything was kosher. There was an address of where to ship it. So we gathered up all the stuff and shipped it off. And, and then 30 days later, we found out that it was a fake number. Or it, was, it was a real number, but it had been stolen from yeah. somebody. And so the credit card company in that case just reversed the charge. And five grand came back out of my account without my knowledge. You know, it just happened. Yeah. And so I think particularly if you're selling things, uh, the amount of... Um, caution you have to have is extraordinary um uh-huh. i wish it were different you know yeah but i guess there's always going to be thieves yeah you said that you track everything so once you're starting a business um did you always work with your accountant or did you do like i mean i don't have quickbooks around back then but would you do something like that where you would do it yourself or did everything go to your accountant? Like, i feel like that would get expensive after a while it's a good question some people are more adept at quickbooks than others yeah. uh, i am in the not very adept category <laughs> however we do use quickbooks mm-hmm. my accountant uses quickbooks yeah. uh, and in specific uh, quickbooks online which is a, a slightly different flavor they it's actually been quickbooks itself has been the, the consumer version has been sold to another company and qbo continues okay through the original owner. At any rate, um, those tools have actually, to speak positively for about finances for a second, uh, there are a lot more options now for accountants and for business owners than there used to be. We use a bill paying service that's all online. So we get an invoice, we put it into the system, and then I can determine when I want to pay an invoice from a payable standpoint. Um, So in my case, I felt strongly that I didn't want to get upside down uh, with regard to keeping track of things. So I've had an accountant from day one. And so on the process of tracking everything, so do you guys literally track every single thing you spend and every single thing you earn and then you get together and um, like do you have like an Excel sheet that puts it on? So you literally track every single purchase ever? And then exactly. send it to your accountant to that's deal a, with. That's exactly the way it works, Jacob, okay. is we, we have an export from the bank in Excel. I mean, we mm. have to go in and request it, mm. you know, and then bam, it spits out the other end. 
and um, our whole team gets involved and in, you know all right who took this uber ride yeah. and where were they going and for which client yeah. and this little trip to Sabaros or subway yeah. you know what was that for and what about this piece of computer equipment you know who's is that to be charged to a client or is that ours or whatever it's tedious Mm. But you have to do that. Yeah. You have to do that so that you can assign uh, you know, the correct uh, buckets to these various expenses. But also, this is, again, it all comes back to fraud. This is how you catch fraud. Yeah. I mean, I had all of these hotel expenses at one point a couple of years ago. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't stay there. You know? yeah. What is that about? So, I mean, do you guys just all have, like, company credit cards? That yeah. That? Okay, that makes it easy. Yeah. It makes it faster. It's yeah. still in, it's sort of a uh, an interesting question because we actually just went through that process this morning um, for the month of January, mm. uh, and it's just a routine that we a little ritual we have to do once a month. Yeah, but, you know, regardless of what you do, I think the most important thing is to have a process and to stick to that process. It's a fair question to say. So, what does the accountant do? I mean, if you guys are doing all of the um, what we call coding of the expenses, you know, reviewing the expenses. You're, we issue the invoices, uh, we cash the checks, um, or accept the electronic payments. Uh, then what exactly is the well? The accountant's job is to balance all those things out, and uh, she produces for me a monthly report, which I've had to learn how to read a financial report and what's in it and what isn't in it, and. Um, you know, I might sound like a smart aleck to say I've been at this for 10 years and I know what I'm doing. I have been at it for 10 years. I wouldn't go so far as to say I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, and I have a coach. Yeah. I have a business coach. Oh, do you? That I meet with once a month. And he kind of uh, keeps me accountable to certain things and makes sure that we're focused on the right things. He's taught me how to read a balance sheet and mm -hmm. kind of, you know, <laughs> coming back to that uh, college uh, accounting class that I dropped. Um <laughs> uh, Stuff I probably should have known. Yeah. But honestly, until I started my own company, I had no reason to even pay any attention. Yeah. How vital do you say a business coach is? Because I've thought about that type of stuff before. I, I love mentors, but. Yeah, I think it. some of it depends on your personality. Yeah. Um, some people are like, I know all the answers and I don't need no stinking coach, you yeah. know, kind of a thing. Others, and, and I would, even though I'm not a sportsy kind of person, I think people who have been coached yeah. in sports appreciate the benefit of having someone older and more experienced or at least more experienced who mm. can offer guidance and hold you accountable. Maybe you've been involved in a church and you've got a, an accountability partner that in a prayer group or something. I mean, you understand the value of, of having somebody there to be a sounding board and also to hold you accountable uh, for certain things. So, um, yeah, I've got a, a guy that I meet with. Uh, we don't, spend a lot of time together. It's maybe an hour once a month. Um, and we just kind of go through the highlights, you know. And he helps to keep the train on the tracks and, and head it in the right direction. I really value his advice. His name is C.J. McClanahan. And uh, we're going to pause for a moment while I answer <laughs> the back phone. One moment, please. Batman, you're interrupting a podcast. That's okay. So you just experienced the bat phone. 
the bat phone we uh, installed so that me and a colleague uh, in our shared office environment here can reach each other with no issues. He said to me, why don't we just use our cell phone? You know, you could just call me. I said, but the bat phone is more fun. So it's bright red and it lights up uh, when I get a call from Sam down the hall. What well, I mean, Alfred down the hall. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to play the role of Batman, I mean, yeah. since I'm the boss. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is red. It is red. And it <laughs> lights up just like the bat phone. That's so funny. Um, what were you saying? So I think it's important that everybody yeah. have somebody that they uh, rely on for advice. And in my case, I have a small business coach. His name is C.J. McClanahan. He is uh, involved with a firm that he calls Reach More. And C.J. is a, a friend and a confidant to a lot of business people. Uh, but he's really, um, he's, you know, he didn't drop his accounting class in college. You know, yeah. That's the first point. Yeah. And he was, uh, uh, he worked for a big consulting firm for many years, so he's helped a lot of different people. But uh, I've come to appreciate the importance of having someone, not necessarily staring over your shoulder, but, you know, someone to make sure that the trains run on time and that, Things are okay, and yeah. if there are issues, he can flag them ahead of time. Yeah, I thought about that, but it also costs money. So <laughs> that's true. That's it, the thing. It does cost money, <laughs> and you gotta have money to make money. So, yeah, yeah. That's that's my issue here. That's a temporary issue. Yeah, I hope. Hopefully. Um, the other thing is, it's a. Uh, if you go to if you're in school and you say I want to be you know on the basketball team, well, there's a coach. You don't pick the coach. The coach is the coach. Mm -hmm. But in business, it's a little bit different. There are all kinds of people who are life coaches and business coaches and this and that and the other. Um, and at least for me, anyway, I'm I'm sort of easily distracted. You can probably tell that from my office because <laughs> it looks like something exploded in here, and there's lots of things to distract your attention. So. Um, I, ha I like it in here, though. It reminds me that I have a life beyond, uh, beyond what I do every day. Very cozy. I'll post pictures of Dave's office on the Twitter and Instagram accounts if you want to see the majestic distraction it is. Like I said earlier, Dave is a huge Star Trek super fan, and his office could literally almost fool you into believing you're on a Star Trek ship. It's a true work of art, really. I'm just going to plug this again in case you didn't uh, pick it up. Follow the Twitter and follow the Instagram accounts for extra content and to see everything we're talking about. Please and thank you. What is your number one recommendation to someone starting a business? Statistically, if you look at what happens to most businesses, they fail. Yeah. And I think they fail because people don't have a network of support, uh, people to give advice, mm -hmm. or they don't take advice. Um, yeah. It's one thing to ask for advice. It's another thing to actually be actionable and, and do stuff with yeah. that. So I think you've got to have somebody who's got your back, whether that's um, you know making sure you've got the basics of an attorney and an accountant, uh, an insurance agent lined up, or whether it's having somebody who can throw work at you when you're just getting started to kind of prime the pump and get things moving. Um, I, I just think my advice would be surround yourself with people that you want to be like and dig in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I didn't know when I started, I'm now in my 11th year, I didn't know uh, 10 years ago that we'd be sitting here, that I'd have a company with five employees, 
and that we would have uh, 12 different clients all over the world or that my work would take me from Europe to China to everywhere in the, in the U.S. Um, but that's what happened, and it happened because we focused on very high-quality work, very high-quality content, and um, hopefully we've tried to keep things lined up and keep the ship financially uh, afloat. But that you know that's a big challenge. I don't care how big or small your company is, the, the whole financial side is really, really important. Yeah. So surround yourself with good people. And don't be afraid to ask for advice, um, especially if you've never done this before. And it can yeah. be a little bit daunting, but um, the rewards are significant <laughs> if you're able to uh, to make an impact and to have more time for yourself and do the things you really want to do. Very true. And that's why I want to start a business. <laughs> One of the many reasons. Do you know what your business is going to be? Yeah, um, I haven't really explained it in the podcast yet, but I'll get to that sometime. But it's been a process of like th over three years now. Um, and then since I've been, I met with like the mentors this past week, I think I met with them three days ago. And I literally changed my idea that I've been working on for a year and a half from their advice. In just two days, I wrote the whole pitch and it makes, it's literally so much better now which is insane because I thought it was perfect how it was. And now it's just like, to me, it's just, it, it just seems like it works so well. And that's why I wanted to mentor. I mean, because I'll get trapped in my thoughts and be like, okay, yeah, I guess what you said, it's vital for other people to give you advice. And I've reached out to like the free mentor sites and stuff like that and had calls with them, like Skype, but never really went anywhere. I think the hardest thing uh, when you're starting out on your own is to be able to listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I took, it took me two years to realize that. <laughs> because you think you have all the answers and, you know, you've got a great strategy for a great idea, a great product, great service, great whatever. And um, it's important to listen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tried doing it on my own for two years. And then once, like the instant I reached out and started asking for help, everything came, was so much better. Like different insights. So, so helpful. And that's where this conversation ends. A big thank you to Dave Arlan for being my second guest. If you want to know more about his company, just Google or look up Arlan Communications and it'll probably pop up. Or you could do a sure bet and visit arlancom.com. His company does great work, so if you're in the market for what he does, hit him up. So yeah, that's it for this episode. I know I haven't really disclosed much about my business yet, um, and it'll probably stay that way for a while, honestly. Since it's still in the ideation stage, I'm not going to tell much of my idea because I don't want to get my, um, my IP stolen. I'll still tell you guys all about my journey though and the problems I'm facing and the details outside of the idea itself. Anyways, thanks for listening once again and I hope I'll see you in my analytics for next week. Since I can't see you, I'll see you. You show up in my analytics because you listen. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, bye. This is it. But it's not the way you can afford your time. Or the envy of the friends you left behind. So whenever you go, they can have everything you This is it.
secret message of the episode. Um, I really don't like pickles.